Love makes us do crazy things, right? So think back to when you're a kid, your very first crush, you're running around on the schoolyard, you acted like a crazy person because you were in love. And if you've ever done like the long distance dating thing, you know you'll drive hours just to see each other for a couple of minutes. Parents will drive around town in the middle of the night to find a pharmacy that's open to get medicine for our kids. Love drives us to do extreme Things. When you love someone, you will do things that are they're totally normal to you. They make sense to you, and people will look at you and go, you're nuts. So early on in COVID, when we were all quarantining, people had these things called drive-through birthday parties. You'd stand in front of your apartment or outside your house, and your family and friends would drive by, and they'd wave, and they'd go, happy birthday, and they would just throw presents out the car window <laughs> at you. They're nuts. But that's what love does. Do you know that God has done some pretty crazy things because he loves you? He's done some things that seem totally irrational out of love for you and for me. Today, I want to talk about his ridiculous love for us. And I want to talk about, in light of that, how God asks us to love him. So we're getting straight into it. If you've got a Bible with you, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is right near the beginning of your Bible. I'd love for you to at least follow along on your phone or something. And we're going to look first at how God loves us. And then we're going to look at how we love him. You know, we hear all the time this word balance. You have to have balance in life. You have to have a work-life balance. You have to have a family balance. Everything in moderation. If there's something that destroys the idea of balance, it's love. Because love is crazy. Love goes all in. And my goal for today is that by the time we're done, you would know and you would see that God has gone all in on you. He's held nothing back. And you would have an idea about what it means to go all in on him and hold nothing back. So here's what we're looking at. Here's the scene. It's around 1400 BC. And we meet a group of people called the Israelites, God's people. They're being led by a guy named Moses. They're in a place called the Sinai Peninsula. They're just outside of Egypt. Remember, God's people were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years, but God sends Moses to rescue them, to deliver them out of Egypt. God does all these really cool miracles. And so they're in on the Sinai Peninsula, and they're going to be there for about 40 years. God had promised his people, about 600 years before this, he had promised that he was going to deliver a place they called the promised land, this unbelievable place. This was their home. But for 40 years after they leave Egypt, they wander in the wilderness. And that's where we're going to pick up the stories. God is getting them ready to go to the promised land. It's almost time. And so he's going to give them some instructions. This is how you live when you get into the promised land. These are the things you do. This is how you act. And while these instructions are written specifically to the Israelites, I think there's something in here for us. So let me show you. And I want you to see, especially pay attention, because I want you to see how all of this, all of these instructions are wrapped in incredible love. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 it says this. These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws 
the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land. This is Moses writing to the people of Israel. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that you are to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So God had laid out his law, sort of his rule of life for his people, what we commonly call the Ten Commandments. This is written to the Israelites, and these are the rules, these are the the laws, these are the guidelines that Israel is supposed to follow as they go into the promised land. Here's why. Verse 2 says, you follow these so that, anytime I see the word so that in my Bible, I underline, highlight it because God is explaining why something. You follow these laws, decrees, and commands so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that, there it is again, and so that you may enjoy long life. So God says, listen, keep my commands, you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. As you go into the land that's yours, keep my rules, my laws. And the reason is there's something about when we keep God's laws, we're reminded of who he is. We're reminded of his love. We're reminded of what he's done for us. But there's more to it. He says, actually, if you keep my laws and commands, you will enjoy a long life. There's actually something about following God's ways that produces something. That sounds good, a long life. Keep going, verse three. Moses says, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that, there it is again, it may go well with you and that, there's one more, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So here's, here's what's happening. God is going, man, I love you. Israelites, I love you. And here's what I'm asking. Would you follow me? Would you trust me? Would you believe that the things that I've done to show you how good I am, I'm going to continue to do? Because here's what I'm going to do for you. If you'll follow my laws, here's what it will look like. Israelites, I'll give you long, healthy life. And I'm going to give you a good life. He says, it may go well with you. I'm going to give you a good life. You'll have babies. You'll, you'll live in paradise. It's not going to be perfect, but this is what God had planned for the Israelites. It's incredible. He's going to give them all these things. And you sort of look at the story, just the, the, the broader narrative of what's going on here, and, and you have to ask the question, why would God do this? These people, this group of people are terrible. They're rebellious. They doubt God on a regular basis. They mock God. They make idols. They worship other gods. I mean, this is crazy. Why would God do anything good for them as terrible as they have been? And the answer? Love. He loves them. And love makes us do extreme things. And so God goes, I, like, he has this relationship with these people. And he goes, look, I, I love you, Israelites, and I'm going to do good things for you. I have got great things in store, a long life, a prosperous life. You're going to take the promised land. You're going to have lots of babies, and life is going to be good. And he'll continue to do crazy things, right? 1,400 years later, he sends his son Jesus to die for these people. Why? Love. Because that's what love does. In fact, Romans says that the reason Jesus came to us was love. While we were sinners, Jesus came because of Love. You've done something crazy for love in your life. Come on, right? So has God. 
course, it's not really crazy. God knows what he's doing, but it seems irrational. You'd look at it and go, why would you do that? And it's love because God loves these people. He loves his people. And it would be so easy for us to just sort of fly by this and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've heard it. God loves his people. And for us to go, yeah, yeah, God loves me. I've heard that all before. What else, what else you got? But just listen, just stop for a minute. Think about this. The holy God of creation, almighty, powerful God, loves you and loves me. I'm really hard to love, and so are you. Come on. And yet God loves us. Like, don't, don't miss this. We're not going to just fly past this, not going in one ear and out the other. God, almighty God, all-powerful God, God who is all-knowing, God who is present at all places. He can be anywhere at the same time in all places. God who can look at history from beginning to end as if it's one snapshot. This God who has created all things, who just speaks and things come into existence. This God loves you and loves me. And for centuries, for millennia, has been saying, I want good things for my people. I love my people. I, I, I wish, you know, we hear this and it almost sounds so trite and we just, again, we just kind of let it pass through us. I wish you, I could know that you are getting this. He loves us. He sent his son. He withheld nothing, not a, not a future version of you, not a perfect version of you, not the version you wish you could be, just you. You might wake up every single morning and go, no one loves me. You might wake up every day and go, I don't even love myself. But God does. Don't miss that. Do not walk away from this today and go, ah, yeah, yeah, he, he loves me. No, no, no. The God of the universe, slow down. The God of the universe loves you. Get that. It's incredible. But now watch what Moses does. Go back to the text because he goes, there's this, this vast love of God incredibly deep, infinitely powerful and meaningful. And then he takes the text and he sort of turns it. God loves you so much and he turns it and he calls us. He invites us to at least try and match God's love. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. It says, hear, O Israel, it's like, listen up, right? And again, these words are written to the people of Israel, but I think there's something here for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is a passage that is known as the Shema. It's a prayer. And the Jewish people, if you ask a Jewish person, they would likely tell you that this is the most important passage in the Old Testament. In fact, the Jews pray this, this prayer, twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. Listen to it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In a sense, Moses is asking God's people to match God's love. Now, of course, that's impossible. God's love is infinite and, and, and powerful and deep. But what would it look like to even think about this? To think about, okay, he's described God as being all in on us. What would it look like for us to even think about what does it mean to be all in on God? 
Well, I think it looks like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But I want to slow down. I want to pull at this a little bit. I want to slow down because likely you've heard this before. If you grew up in church, you could probably quote this. Love the Lord your God with all your... Like you've heard it a thousand times, right? But what does that even mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What is that? What does that look like? So I want to dive into this a little bit. And in our English translation, sadly, we, we kind of miss something in the translation. Let, let, let me show you. So start here. Take that first word, heart. The word heart in Hebrew is the word lev. And as you can imagine, 30, whatever, 400 years ago, when Moses is writing, they don't have the same understanding of human anatomy that we do today. So Moses has no category that humans have a brain. There is no word in the Old Testament to say that we have a mind. It's just not part of their understanding. And so the, Moses would be describing the heart just like we would as something we emote from. We feel this way, but also as the place, the center of intellectual activity. So this is the heart is where our thoughts come from. The heart is where we reason from. The heart is where we make decisions. The heart is where we bring logic out of. The book of Proverbs describes the heart as the life center of a person, that this is where life is sustained and, 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 and also where everything flows from, our thoughts, our words, our personality, everything that comes out of us. And so Moses is not describing a kind of love that is just this sort of touchy-feely. He's talking about our intellectual activity, that we would set our thoughts and our minds on God. In fact, Jesus, when Jesus quotes the Shema in the New Testament, he adds mind. Love the Lord your God with all your, he says, heart, soul, power, and mind. So Moses is not challenging us to just have this warm, fuzzy sentiment about God. But no, to think about God, to think on the things that are God, that our words belong to him, what comes out of us, our thoughts, our personality, all of that is for God. Second word that he, he uses here, love the Lord with all your soul. In Hebrew, this word is nefesh. This word shows up in the Old Testament about 700 times, but it's not soul the way we would think of or the way we would talk about a soul. It's not this spiritual essence, the way people might use this word in culture today. It's certainly not something kind of wispy and ethereal like a ghost or something like that. That kind of language, that kind of thinking doesn't happen until much later. That's out of Greek mythology that we get those ideas. This word of soul, nephesh, is our entire being. It is a, it is a complete organism. And so you have mental, and you have physical, and you have spiritual, and you have emotional, and everything that makes up a being. It's not until modern thinking that we get this idea that the soul is like this transcendent thing that leaves our body and goes to an afterlife. Moses has no category for that. That's not what he's describing. Moses is saying that with our whole being, we can love God. We can worship our creator. Now, Here's where it gets really good. The word that's translated strength in Hebrew is the word meod. And the word meod shows up in the Old Testament about 300 times. But here's the problem. It doesn't mean strength. This is the only place in the Bible that it's translated as the word strength. And it's simply not what it means. Meod typically is translated as very. So think back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, God makes the world and he says, it's what? He says, it's good. And then remember, he makes humanity, he makes male and female, and he says, it's very good. It's meod good. We translate that, that, that here as strength, but honestly, I'm not even sure why, because it's not what it 
means, if we literally were to translate this word, the literal translation is muchness, which is kind of weird. You're like, is that even a word? That's... Moses is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and muchness. He's talking about devoting every capacity, everything that we have to loving the Lord our God, that, that nothing is withheld. So you might, if we, if we looked at this passage, we might change it a little bit to say, love the Lord. It might be easy to say it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your... And then you could basically put anything in there because Moses is talking about any capacity. In fact, the Arabic Old Testament says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your wealth. You might say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your words and thoughts. You might say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your time. I mean, you, we could do it all day. You can put anything you want in there because Moses is talking about that there is limitless capacity, there are limitless ways to love God. And Moses is going, yeah, do all of them. You, like, like, there's nothing short of everything that we should do to love God. So he goes, in your heart, in your lev, love God. Out of your feelings, yes, but also out of your thoughts, your intellectual activity, set that on the Lord. And in your, your nefesh, in your soul, your entire being, love the Lord. I mean, think about that for a minute, that your entire being is devoted to loving God. Like your pinky toe is made for loving the Lord. I don't know how you do that, but it's true. And your hands are for loving God. And so are your appetites and your desires for loving the Lord and the things that you consume, the things that you listen to. Love the Lord. The things that you watch and see. Love the Lord. And in your maod, in your muchness, in everything and every capacity, love the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. Why would anyone do that? The only explanation is love. I mean, why would you, why would a person submit their sexual desires to the Lord's ways? Love. Why would a person surrender their thoughts, their words, their ego to the Lord? Love. Why would anyone submit their money to the ways of the Lord. It's got to be love. Love is the only motivating factor. It's not a threat. God doesn't like threaten us. That doesn't work. It's love. Moses is calling the Israelites up to a level of love where he goes, God loves you so much. He's going to walk into the promised land with you. He's going to give you peace and he's going to give you a great long life and, and, and prosperity. And then if that's not enough, if you think he's withheld anything, he's going to send his son Jesus to die for you. It's crazy. It's irrational, it seems, this thing that God does for us out of love for his people. Moses is calling the Israelites to respond to that love and not to respond in religion and not to respond with more rules and not to respond with ritual, but also not to respond halfway. He's calling him all the way, going, God is all in on you. He's calling God's people to have the kind of love that like when you fall in love with somebody and your friends are like, you're not something wrong with you. And you're like, no, it makes perfect sense to me. It's that kind of love. 
It's that crazy, awkward, irrational seeming kind of love. It's the kind of love that, I mean, I, I know in my story, I had this great career. I had this plan. It was going this direction. And I stopped doing that to teach the Bible. Why? Love? It's what love asked me to do. What does it look like? Because you've done some crazy things for love. What does it look like to love God without limit? What does it look like? He's all in on you. What does it look like for you to go all in on him? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your muchness. Again, I love that the Jews pray this every day, in the morning and at night. At night to remind themselves of the love of God. In the morning to challenge themselves to love God in the same way. It's incredible. But it's a lot, right? What do we, what does it mean to really love God with everything? Limitlessly to hold nothing back? What is that? Like, take a deep breath, because I know it's a lot. Moses is going to show us a little bit about what that looks like. Go back to the passage. Verse 6, he keeps going. Here's what he says. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And you should know that some Jewish people have taken this literally and they take little pieces of paper and they write God's law. They write his word on them. They roll them up and they put them in a box and they tie that box to their arm with a leather strap. Or in some extreme cases, they actually tie it around their head. Now, I don't think God wants us necessarily to do that, but I think that's the weight of this where God's going, if that's what it takes for you to remember my love and my law, then, then that's what you should do. So fast forward, 3,500 years, right? Okay, so we've got all this stuff that's going on in ancient Israel. That's fine. But bring this forward. Bring this to your life and to mine. We're just living our lives, right? We're going to school. We're going to work, trying to raise kids. We're looking for a, a partner that we can spend our life with. We're trying to get to retirement. Whatever it is, we're just living our life. What does this mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and muchness? We're not the ancient Israelites. God has not promised us the promised land and a long, healthy life and, and lots of kids and living in paradise. Like it's not, that's not our promise. No, he's, he's promised us eternal life through Christ and that we can experience his presence now and we can experience some of the goodness of heaven now and forevermore. So what does it mean to hold nothing back? God's all in on us. Okay, what does it mean to go all in on him? Because we've been talking about the last few weeks, we've been talking about how to love other people and hold nothing back, right? And that's really hard. But guess what? It's really hard to love God and hold nothing back too. How do we love God the way Moses is calling us? With, I mean, everything we have. Think about the depths of that statement. I actually think the text answers it for us. So let me give you a couple things that you can write in your notes about what it means to love God. Loving God, number one, loving God means knowing his word. And I might say loving his word. It might not be there day one, but I think that would be a goal. Moses goes, God's word, God's law should be written on our hearts, impressed on our hearts. How does it get there? We've got to open our Bibles. 
We got to read about God. We got to listen to God. Jesus talks about how his people obey all that he has commanded. Well, how do you obey what he's commanded? You have to know what he's commanded. How do you know what he's commanded? We, we got to read our Bibles, right? And look, I hear you going, great, I came to church and the answer is to read my Bible. And it feels lame. It might feel hollow, but it's like, yeah, it, that kind of is the answer to some things. It's a starting place. And maybe for some of you, you hear that and you go, this is so foreign to me. This is so new to read my Bible. I don't even have a Bible. If that's you, we want to help. So like if you're watching online, you go, I don't have a Bible. Right in the chat room, let us know. We'll get you a Bible if you're here on campus. Visit guest services after the service. Let us get you some resources because maybe this is brand new to you. You're here, you're just kind of exploring. You go, I don't know how to read a Bible. I don't even have a Bible. Where do I even start? If you want to know where to start, if it was me, there's a book in the Bible called Mark. You can look in the table of contents and find it. Go to Mark. I'd start reading there. Maybe for some of you, though, you go, yeah, 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 read your Bible. Okay, I've, I've read my Bible. And I don't really get anything out of it. Or I read my Bible and I just go, yeah, yeah, I've read it all before. Can I ask you, have you asked God to show you something new and fresh? Have you ever, before you open your Bible, have you ever just said, God, would you refresh my faith in some way? Because you know what I think? I think if we come humble and hungry, God wants to feed us. And I'm with you. I hate the read your Bible more sermon, okay? Like I hate hearing it. If I was you, I'd be like, this guy again with this Bible thing. I hate preaching it. And yet, there's something about, if we sit here and we go, I love the Lord, God, I love you so much. And he gave us this book, 66 books. He gave us 760,000 words from his heart. And we go, God, I love you so much, but I, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to take the, it takes time. The psalmist writes that blessed is the one who delights in the word of the Lord, who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. Maybe if your relationship with God is feeling distant, it's lacking, maybe it's time you dust off the old Bible again. Get it off the shelf. And does it work that you're just going to, like, it's magically going to open to the perfect page and you're going to find the perfect thing and it's going to just light your world on fire? No, it's not how it works. This is a relationship. It takes spending time together. But love keeps going. Love keeps spending time together. So, Maybe it's time for you to go, yeah, I need to, it's been a while since I've spent time in God's word and I need to be there. And if, again, if this is new to you and you have, like, I have so many questions, let us help you, let us resource you. But it does start, this loving God does start with, with knowing him and we know him through his word. The second thing you can write down is that loving God means talking about him. And you go, that's way too simple. Listen, these are God's words, not mine, right? So Moses says so simply, just talk about him. Talk about God when you go to bed at night, when you get up in the morning, when you're driving in your car, when you're having dinner, when you're out on a walk, when you're working in the yard, just talk about God. I love that. It sounds so simple, but isn't this what we do with people that we love? We talk about them, right? So people say to you all the time, hey, how's your family? How are the folks? How are the kids? And you, you, you like telling them. Because you love those people and you have an interest in those people. Loving God means talking about him and what he's done. This generation of Israelites had seen God do incredible things. He parted an ocean so they could walk through. 
They'd followed a, a pillar of fire in the sky so that they didn't get lost in the desert. Don't you think they would talk about these things? They didn't. They stopped talking about what God had done for them. And a generation later, no one remembers and no one's following him. When's the last time you said to someone, hey, do you know what God is doing in my life? Can I tell you something that God just did in my life? It doesn't have to be this big thing, but he's at work all over the place. Don't you love to hear stories about people that you love? Because I love when I get home and my wife will say to me, hey, one of the kids got an A on their science project or something like that. I'm like, yes, that's super exciting because I love them. I want to hear God's stories. I love God. I want to know what he's doing. I want to hear your God stories. Why aren't we telling more God stories? I have a God story for you. It might seem like a small thing, but it's just, I think it's exciting. It's a way that God is moving. So remember last year, remember this thing, there's this thing called COVID that happened last year and it changed a lot of stuff, right? Changed a lot of stuff in your life and mine, changed a lot of stuff around here, changed the way that we could serve people in a lot of ways. And and obviously the effects are still being felt, but I think through miracle and medicine, God is turning things. And I think we're in a better place than we were a year ago, which means we're able to serve people in new ways. And so I'm really excited to tell you that this year we're going to be doing our Christmas tree lighting. And it's happening on December 3rd. And maybe you've been a part of Christmas tree lighting before. Maybe you haven't. It's just a place where we can welcome people from the community onto our campus and we get to serve them. We open up our campus and there's food and there's games and there's music and, and, I don't know, activities and we light up the Christmas tree out front. And it's a great way to serve our neighbors. And we didn't get to do it last year, but we think that God is making a way for us to do it this year. So maybe you've heard us talk about, you've been around, you've heard us talk about this, about Christmas tree lighting before, but here's the thing you might also remember is that we say Christmas tree lighting is not for us. Christmas tree lighting is not an activity for Faith Church. It's for our community. It's a way for us to serve our neighbors, to serve the Lehigh Valley. It's just this fun, sort of safe activity that anyone is welcome at. And it's awesome, but the only way it's awesome is with your help. Christmas tree lighting takes about 250 volunteers. So here's what we're asking you. Would you partner with us to serve that night. And maybe you go, I'm not here December 3rd. I can't be here. There are lots of ways to get involved, even leading up to the event that you can jump into. So I wonder, would you be willing to partner with us to have this really great, fun experience? And this is the goodness of God. Here's why. We have this big, beautiful campus. It's not ours. It's actually to serve people. And Faith Church has lots of resources they're not ours. They're to serve and love people. And Faith Church, as a family, we're like a whole army of people. But it's not just for our own good. It's actually to love people and to serve our community. Would you be willing to be a part of it? It's a really fun night. I hope that you jump on our website or in our app. You can learn about lots of serving opportunities And, you know, we really missed doing it last year. But the goodness of God is that we get to, we think we get to do it this year. See how talking about God and the things that he's doing is so simple? Tell somebody a God story this week, please. I want to hear your God stories. Let me come back and end with this idea. Just go back to this idea of mayod or muchness. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, it's an open blank. What belongs there for you? What's missing? Is there anything in your life that you've held back? You go, I really love you, God, but this thing is mine, hands off. I, I, I get to keep this for myself. It's my money, it's my time, it's my sexuality, my addiction, my thoughts, my words, my ego. What is it? Is there something that you've held back? Would you do this? Would you be willing to ask him? Would you be willing to say, God, can you show me if there's spots in my life that I've, I've withheld from you? If there's something that I haven't gone all in on you, God, would you just ask him to show you and ask him to help you that you would love him completely like he loves you. It seems crazy. It seems irrational. It seems totally awkward. It's not. We do crazy things for love. Would you talk to God and say, Lord, help me know what I've held back and help me give that to you, that I would love you completely? Pray with me. God, thanks for your love. Please, God, by the power of your spirit, capture that in our hearts and our minds, that thought that you love us. Please don't let that go in one ear and out the other today, Lord. Please, I beg you. Too many of us have forgotten that you love us, that when no one else does, you do. God, would you help us know if there are things we've withheld from you? Would you show us right now? Would you show us as we go through our week? This area of our life, this area of our life, we've held it back. We've told you, God, it's off limits, hands off. It belongs to me. If there's something in our life, search us now, Lord, and show us our anger, our thoughts, our addictions, our desires. And God, help us to surrender those things to you, that we would love you completely. God, thanks for sending Jesus, for showing us that all along your plan is, is to say, man, I, I want good things for my people. Thanks for not holding back. We didn't deserve the sacrifice of Jesus, but you sent him to us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We need your help with all of this, God. We pray these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.